here, back there. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Um, our desire is that, first of all, you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you'll make Downey First Christian Church your church home. We're a church of wide open doors. We're a family church, and we're so glad that you are here. Um, VBS is coming up. We have Vacation Bible School, and we need volunteers. We have about half the volunteers that we need, and so please uh, volunteer for uh, VBS. It's going to be uh, June 27th uh, through July the 1st, and uh, we have sign-up sheets outside, so please sign up for that uh, so we can train you and get ready for that. It's, uh, it's going to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed, and the kids are going to be blessed as a result of that. Also, next Sunday, um, next Sunday is Mother's Day, and so next Sunday... Um, uh, if your mom come here, if you, if, your mom, if you have a mom and she doesn't come to this church, bring her to this church, because what we're going to do next Sunday is going to be very special. We're going to do a special prayer for moms, just for moms. We're going to pray for them, for God to bless them. We're going to pray a, a pastoral blessing over their lives. And so we're going to do that next Sunday. So bring your moms, and if you're a mom, it's going to be a special, special Sunday um, for you as we pray specifically for you. Okay. So let's go to our scripture today, and our scripture is found in Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to read quite a few verses here, uh, so if you haven't had your Bible reading for this morning, then this will be your Bible reading for today, okay? A few verses here, uh, Matthew chapter 25, this is the parable, the parable of the bags of gold, and so here it goes. This is Jesus uh, teaching this parable, which uh, if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is basically a, um, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so that's what a parable is. And Jesus a lot of times taught in parables. And so here we go. Again, he says, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's, he, he was using different examples. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. And so he goes to this story when he says, again, the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Uh, to one he gave five bags of gold and to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Uh, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had one, uh, just received one bag, went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, uh, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought, uh, brought the other five, Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then... The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown seed and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so I was afraid, and I went and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I uh, harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, you would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold uh, from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever, has, uh, for whoever has will be given more 
and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be, will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, let me take your breath. So we're on a series today uh, called Joy Stealers, and we're talking about joy. And, we, and the first Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about the difference between joy and happiness. We talked about happiness being sort of like the, the ugly cousin of joy. What we really want is joy, and only Jesus can provide us true joy. Joy is that thing that doesn't have, it's not effervescent, it's not external. Joy is something that, that you're cemented because you know who you serve, you know who you are, and you know what happens on the other side of eternity. So joy is what we're all ultimately seeking. But there are a few joy stealers in our life. And we talked about last week, we talked about self-centeredness. And we talked about if you're a self-centered person, it is very difficult, or I would argue impossible, for you to find joy. And today, we're talking about another joy stealer, which is the curse of comparison. The curse of comparison. Comparison is a curse. It's a curse. It's, the, it's horrible. If you're comparing yourself to other people, it's not good. I am guilty of that. So I, I'm, a, I'm a drummer. I've been drumming since I was 13 years old. And I grew up in South America as a missionary there, and uh, I was the best drummer that I knew, okay? And I was a little arrogant about it because I was, it was a unique thing that I did. I had my own drum set, but there was this other kid. His name was Juan Gronemeyer. I still remember his name. And he used to borrow drumsticks from me, and he was kind of learning how to, you know, play drums. He was getting a little bit better. And uh, my dream was to be a professional touring drummer. Like, I would drum with a band, and we would tour the world. That was my dream. And so this kid, he started learning to play drums, and he got better and better as time went by. And as time progressed, you know, I had my band, he had his band. His band started getting really, really, really famous, and our band was only, like, local. And so even to this day, now he is touring the world with his band as a drummer and a percussionist. And so I have to be honest with you. Like, I, I, I've made my peace with this, by the way. But, but in my mind, I'm like... So why, why does he get to live out my dream? Like, that's my dream. Why did he take it away? And it seems like I had more of a right to be able to make my dream come true because I, in my own opinion, had more talent. I had an actual drum set. He, only, he had to borrow my sticks, and then he started getting better and better and better and better to this day, to this day. And so there's this strange thing that happens in the human heart. And I want to ask you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, 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 I work just as hard? Why does he get to do that? You know? I, in fact, they, in fact, did less than I did, and look where they're at now. Or, or they don't deserve that. I deserve it, right? I have earned it. Has it ever happened to you? In your family, in your finances, you know, trips or, or vacation. Like, why do they get to do that? And, I, and I'm just, you know, here in my regular life. And social media just ramps it up. Right? I mean, because, because, you know, I would look at, look at social media, like, look what they're doing, look what they're doing, look how happy they are, look what they get to wear, look what they get to drive, look where they live, look all these restaurants that they get to go to. And my wife will look, my wife is off of social media, by the way. She's been off social media like a year and a half. I don't think she's ever been happier. You know, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm not there yet. Maybe one day. But the point is, you look through social media, and you're like, and my wife would look, and say, look how happy they are. And I'm like, everybody smiles. For, for a photo, you know? So we're, we're comparing their, their highlight reels with our regular life. And so there's no win in that. You will never win 
if you compare yourself that way. And so, so some of us know what's, what life was like before and after the internet. How many of you guys know life before and after the internet, right? It's not that many of us. Like, we understand that before, like, like in the city that I lived, I, I would compare myself with about 100,000 people, if that, because that's how many people were in our city. Now you're comparing yourself to 4.6 billion people that are on social media. And I look at, a, at, at like, I'll look at, like, drumming things on social media, and it's like, I don't know if I'm inspired or I just want to quit. Like, why even try it? Look at this guy, you know? And so I think that happens to, to a lot of us, not just in drumming, but in fitness, vacations, family, wealth, influence, you know, success, all these things. And at the end of the day, there is no win when you compare yourself because you will always end up feeling unsuccessful, unfit, unhappy, poor, and all these things. But it also works both ways. And this is a little bit more like dark. It's a little bit kind of like we don't, we don't want to like admit this, that it also feels kind of good. I'm not saying I'm that way. I'm saying I've been that way, and I will tell you, maybe it feels like that sometimes when somebody's a real jerk and they get what they deserve. It's like, I don't know how I even how to say it, like, oh, they got fired. Yeah, that's a shame. But on the inside, you're like, man, he deserved it, right? <laughs> or look, oh, man, they, get, or they gained all this weight. You're like, oh, man. You're like, you don't want to admit it, but on the inside, you feel kind of good. I know that. It's quiet in here because nobody wants to admit it because it's so incredibly embarrassing. And that's the essence of gossip. Like when you gossip, the reason why it's so attractive is because it makes you feel better because the other one, you're like you're pushing the other person down, so you're lifting yourself up. So the point I'm trying to make this morning is that if you compare yourself, whether you're comparing yourself upward because you feel like they're better than you or you're comparing yourself downward because you feel better than them, there is no win. You will never be satisfied as a result of that. Um, this is why social media is so addicting. You assume that when you're on social media, you're watching other people's lives. It's really about you. You're comparing your life to everyone else's life. You're measuring yourself against what you're watching. And so I, I was looking up some statistics here. Um, over 19% of people in America suffer some sort of anxiety disorder. It's about 19% right now, which is it's incredibly high. This is according to the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And also multiple studies that I looked at um, have a, a direct correlation between the, the, the frequency of these episodes and the uh, social media consumption. There's a direct correlation, by the way. Now, this message is not an attack against social media. That's not what this is about. But what it really is about is about the curse of comparison. The curse of comparison. That if you compare yourself to others, it's never gonna, you're never going uh, to find joy. So the bottom line is this. There will always be someone better than you. There will always be someone better looking, more successful, smarter, better family, better education. So that's not the question. That's just reality. The question is how does that make you feel? That's the question. How do you feel 
about it? How do you feel about this other, peop- this other person being better looking than you? This other person being more successful than you? This other per- person being smarter than you? This other person having better education than you? This other person being more talented, better opportunities? Getting the job that you wanted, how does that make you feel? How does it feel that that person beat you? How does it make you feel that they seem to have better relationships and better children? How does it make you feel that the other person seems to be suffering less than you? This is true for everyone. We all have those people in our lives. So that's not the question. The question is, how do you feel about it? It's the, other, the flip side, too. It's how do, you, how do you actually feel when you realize that someone isn't as good-looking as you are? Someone who is less successful, not as smart, seems to be struggling more than you, has less education than you. Had, hey, I, I feel kind of good like, compared to that guy. Like, I, yeah, I feel great. And what I'm trying to say is that, that, is, that there's no win in comparison. So the question, again, I'll repeat it. It's, it's, it's not, do you have people in your life that have it better or worse than you, but how do you respond to this? How does this make you feel, and how do you respond to this? Because the truth is it's not going to go away. There's always going to be people like that around you. And so the solution to this is not to try to beat everybody. Like, hey, I'm just going to these people are there, so I make it my goal to become better and better because I need to be a better and better compared to the other person. But once you get to their level in your own mind, there's always more levels as you go up. And the other thing that you shouldn't feel is you feel like a loser because it seems like you'll never get up to that point. That's not the way to go either. What we have to do is we have to find a way to be able to break the curse of comparison. That's the question I want us to ask ourselves, to break the curse of comparison. Because when you live your life in light of what everyone else is doing, you will end up... I'm going to say that again, because I want it to really hit home. If you, if you live your life, if you live your life, if you always live your life, every day of your life, you live it in light of other people's success. Like, oh, one day you live your life that way, here's what's going to happen. You're going to miss out on your own calling because you're too busy comparing yourself. There's something that God created you to do. There's this path that is your path. And if you're focusing on what everyone else is doing, you will miss it. You'll have nothing to show for your own life. This is what this parable is addressing. We got the five bags of gold, the two bags of gold, the one bag of gold. What, what, what Jesus is explaining here, he's saying, this is life. We all have different things. God has distributed the different things to us in different quantities. Now, the problem is that sometimes we read this and we think that the point is this. Why, did, why was it, it seems really unfair. Like, why did one get five and the other one got two and the other one got one? Especially if you feel like you were a one-bagger. You're like, dude, why does he get two? And then if you're a two-bagger, dude, why does that guy get five? You know, but what Jesus is explaining here is that is that he he distributes uh, according to his will, and that's just reality. And it's natural for us to feel this way, but that is not the point of the parable. You see, God distributes as He wishes. Job two twenty one says He gives and takes away. And if even if you look around in this crowd, if you kind of look around, uh, you will realize that that in your own mind, because this is a fantasy, by the way. It's not actually true. You can look around, and you're like, oh, that's, that, I, I think that guy is a, is a, is a five-bagger. I think she's like a two, you know? I'm definitely a one. 
right? But the problem is that, that is not, none of that is true because maybe in relationships you're a five, but in wealth you're a two, and then in talent you're a one. And then another person is going to be a five in wealth. Does that make sense? So we're all different. We all have different things. Not only do we all have different gifts and talents, but it's all relative. I mean, I'll give you an example. This was like four years ago. I went on a missions trip to Africa. It's a beautiful trip. But we, we stopped at um, Dubai. So we spent one day in Dubai, and then the next day we were in the slums of Nairobi. Just try to imagine that. The richest part of the world one day, one of the poorest the next day. I'll tell you, when I was in Dubai, financially, I was a one-bagger. Relationally, relationally, I was a five-bagger because no one talks to each other. But then when I went to Africa, financially, I felt like a five-bagger. But relationally, I felt like a one-bagger because everyone seemed to love each other so much. So the point I'm trying to make here is that, here it is. We all have something. No one has the same as the other. No one has everything, but no one has nothing. Okay? So let's stop comparing each other. Just stop. Let's just stop doing it because there's no win in comparison. So the point is this. The point is not what you have. It's not. It's never been. The point is not what you have. The point is what you do with what you have. You will only be held accountable for what God has given you and no one else. And in the midst of comparing yourself, you might miss it. That's the point I'm trying to make. And here, here's another assumption. Another assumption is that the reason why the one bagger um, did nothing was because he had one bag. But that's not true. I mean, that's, that's the mistake that the one bagger made could be made for, with a two bagger or a five bagger, if that makes sense. Because um, you may be here, and you may, you may look at what you have, what God has given you, and you're like, this is not, like, this is not great. It's not great right now. Like, I don't think this is really, like, like not very much. I don't have very much, right? Um, why? Why do you feel that way? Because compared to the two, hey, if I had two, then maybe. If I had two bags and not just one, then maybe God could do something with that. But not with one. And I would argue that the two-bagger had more of a reason to complain than the one. Because there's a bigger difference between the two and the five and the one and the two. Okay, so that's the point I'm trying to make this morning is that don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself. There's no win in comparing yourself. And so, so you will waste your time and you will be burying the gift that God gave you. This is, this is stealing your joy. It's holding you back and it's making you feel stuck. Which brings me to this verse. Hebrews 12, 1. This is what they call the... Um, the hall of faith. So there's a whole list. There's a whole list of people who have done great things. It talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the walls of Jericho, Rahab the prostitute, Gideon, Samson, uh, David, Samuel. And he talks about all of these people that did things for God. And then he says in verse 1, 12, 1, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangle, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
the race marked out for us. You see, there's a race that has been marked out for you. And there's another race that is not. That's not your race. When you live your life comparing yourself, you will end up running a race that is not meant for you. I don't know what it's like in, in, in what you do for a living or what you work in, but like in, in what I do, we have these pastures that are like the Olympus of pastures. It's like the Stephen Furtick's and like the, the Craig Rochelle's, you know, and the Judah Smith's, right? And so you can easily be intimidated by these guys who are writing like a book a year and they have these mega churches, right? But, but I, and I could easily ask myself, why, why do they get to do that and I don't? Like, why do I feel like such a one-bagger next to these guys? And the problem is that, that, that in the meantime, if I ask myself those questions, I will miss what God has called me to do. Brothers and sisters, this is my race. I want to embrace the race that God has given to me. I want to be grateful for what he has given me. I don't want to compare myself to anybody else so that I feel like I'm a loser or think that I'm so much better than other people who don't have the ministry that I have. That might be maybe true for me, but what is it for you? What is it for you? You see, God will not hold me accountable for Stephen Furtick's race. That's not my race. He will hold me accountable for this one. If I focus on running a race that is not mine, I will end up burying my gift and end up with nothing to show. The same is true for you. And so, respectfully, I want to ask you this. This is, this is for you. I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there someone in your circle right now that you believe has a job that was meant to be for you? Is there anyone in your circle that you feel has an opportunity that was really meant for you? Do, do you feel like there's anyone in your life that you, that you think that has a ministry opportunity that should be yours? Do, do you have anyone in your circle that you look at their family and you're thinking, why, why do they get to do that? And I'm, I don't get to do that? What you're saying here in essence is God made a mistake. You're saying he made a mistake. And in the meantime, you're burying your gift. And it's time to repent. It's time to repent. It's not time for you to just, because repentance literally means a change of direction. It's time for you to repent because I don't want you to miss what God created you to be. So I'm going to end with this. Um, comparison is exhausting. There's no win in comparison. We already said that. Um, because there's no finish line. In comparison and so the question this morning that I want us to answer is how do we break this curse and the way that we break the curse of comparison is through this word the word contentment 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 first Timothy 6 6 says this but godliness with contentment is great gain you see contentment is the antidote of comparison it's the antidote and what does it mean here's what it means what it means is this, the contentment for Christians, what is it? It means that everything that I need in Christ, I already have. I don't have to compare myself to anybody. I am fully accepted by God. I am fully loved by God, by the sacrifice of Jesus. I am completely presentable before the Father. James 4, 14, 6. 
while you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Let me show you this example. I think I've used this example before, but look. You want to know what your life is? Your life is this. Can you see that? On. Maybe you're a little bit healthier. There you go, a little bit longer. And then you're gone. You see, this is life. It's just, it's a mist. I don't know if the light can catch that, but look, that's just gone. And you see, the reason why I bring that up and why I think this is so important is because, is because sometimes we think that what we do here is so important. Like we have to change the world and we have to do all these things. No, no, no. I just want to invite you to walk in the race that was called for you. That's the invitation for today. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says this, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. The best, brothers and sisters, is yet to come. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says this, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but is, what is unseen is eternal. See, everything is fading. This life is fading. Our bodies are decaying. We don't need to compare ourselves with anybody. Let me read this one, this last one. Ephesians 1.18, and, and catch this. It says here, I pray, this is a prayer that Paul does, and I've read this before. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. What is he saying here? He's saying that the eyes of your heart will be open. Now, you don't have to study anatomy to understand that heart doesn't have eyes. What is he talking about here? He wants us to really get it, to really get it. Maybe understand, maybe... <sighs> There's a difference between knowing and really knowing. And what I mean by this is sometimes we've heard these things on Sundays and we, and we understand, we understand that this life is fading away, that this life is going, and that the most important thing is Christ Jesus. But, but there's, a, there's an understanding that goes deeper. And that's the prayer that Paul makes. And it's the prayer that I pray for you, and it's the prayer that I pray for myself. That we will understand that in this life, we are fully accepted by Jesus. We have nothing to prove him. He is not going to hold us accountable for other people's paths, only for ours. And so we can rest in that. We can rest because when you find your path, you rest. Because you know that that's what you were created to do. You were designed for that. And you can have peace. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for these moments that we share. We thank you for your love for your mercy and for your presence. And I ask that you will allow for us to, to truly discover what it is that you've created us to do. I, I pray, God, that you will allow for us to never compare ourselves to anybody because it is a waste of time and there's no win in comparison. So I pray, God, that if there's anyone here, Lord, that is struggling with this right now, is feeling, is feeling not good, feeling unsuccessful, feeling 
like they should be doing better, that they should be, um, they should have a different body, they should have a different opportunities, better friends, better family, like all these things, God, I pray, God, that we, that you allow for us to understand in, in the deepest of deep, that you have accepted us already, and that that knowledge will free us to be able to not run any other one's race other than our own. And so I pray this, God, this morning. And I thank you, God, because it is only in Christ that you allow us to have this freedom. So we pray this and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.